A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Kevin Napsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our episode all about news, audience questions, and the return of Solo? Question mark? Ooh, there's a lot of questions there. I love these news and cues. It's the Force Center News Show, and we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, oh, you know it, we'll have our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, this is our time to not just catch up as friends, but to <laughs> catch our breaths from this wild, wild world. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. It's been a busy, strange week. Uh, I've had some Star Wars adventures, but uh, almost all of them have been in preparation for doing some podcasts, been reading uh, Alphabet Squadron, Shadowfall. We're excited to talk about that uh, very soon. 
reading random bits of news because they will come across my Twitter feed and then, oh, there's stuff that we get to talk about today. So I'm excited uh, about that. And then I've just, uh, you know, I've had some uh, kind of life crises that uh, maybe I'll get into <laughs> someday. Uh, but uh, nothing's nothing major. I'm okay. My wife's okay. Everybody's okay. But there have been some hurdles this week. Oh, man. Well, just nice to know that at some point Star Wars will be there for you to just uh, take uh, you, your wife, and some whiskey into its warm embrace. <laughs> there were definitely some times this week where I truly, I just, I did need patience. And man, just really taking the time to take a deep breath and think about how a Jedi would handle things has really helped me a lot. And uh, having a lot of conversations about it and hearing how much... Um, other fans relate to specific Jedi moments. Uh, it's been giving me a lot of strength. So thanks to our whole big old Star Wars Force Center community for uh, helping me take a deep breath. Hey, that's good. And that's why uh, this community's here. Uh, it's vibrant in the Discord community as well through the Force Center Patreon page. We appreciate the Force Center fans. So I'm guessing then not a lot of casual Battlefront 2 playing time. this <laughs> Absolutely not. None at all. I did not visit my exquisite pajamas <laughs> or Count Dooku's exquisite pajamas. I like to think I'm wearing them when I'm playing him, uh, but I did not get to run around in pajamas on Geonosis, sadly. But maybe this week. How about you? Did you run around in exquisite pajamas, either literally or metaphorically? Uh, I I was killed by Dooku in exquisite pajamas <laughs> on my Tuesday night stream last week. I do try to do every Tuesday night Battlefront 2, do a stream, and it's it's always a lot of fun. And yeah, there's sometimes in that game, you know, where like you're like really upset of of uh, who or the username that kills you. Um, but uh, then when sometimes it's like I'll be like, ah, Ray got me. Good for her. Yeah. Or Dooku in his pajamas. That's a good way. To, <laughs> good way to go. But other than that, yeah, the Star Wars adventures have just kind of been around uh, when I can squeeze them in and reading that Shadowfall book, which you're going to review later in the week, uh, which is uh, uh a great Star Wars book, great read, but I'll tell you what, it's it's a little thick at times. And so I think you and I both have had to do the, okay, okay, deep breath. Let me get through this chapter. I'm really enjoying it, uh, but there's a lot of words in here. Uh, and, and that's kind of been my Star Wars adventures for the week, you know? Yeah. Oh, also, I, I do want to shout out to uh, our uh, listener, Trey. We know him uh, uh, in some of the Discord chats as definitely not Trey, but it is definitely Trey. He uh, he heard uh, uh, heard me talking about Mighty Mugs, and he tracked down a Grand Moff Tarkin Mighty Mug Ooh. and sent it out to me. So I have it here. I'm tempted to open it. I don't know. It's that packaging. I love the Mighty Mug packaging. So I guess I could keep the package and take out the figure, but eh, it's not as fun. You yeah, know? Are the mugs like the Funkos where you can kind of put them back in the package and for the most part you'd never know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're careful... And often I, I am not, but yes, if you're careful, I think you can. Yeah, even the black series are like that, and that that helps me. That helps me with my issues. There's yeah. just something I, I I got two copies of the vintage series three and three quarter Ray uh, from Rise of Skywalker, mm -hmm. so I could take her out. And he's like, "Look at that! I got I got the other copy right there, and it still hurt me to rip that packaging." But you know what? I need to learn to let go. More Star Wars lessons. <laughs> More Star Wars lessons. And so I'd say get get that grandma off out. I think I might. I think I might. Even Grace saw it and kind of, you know, she's not a huge Funko Pop fan, but the, I was like, these aren't Funko Pops. Mighty Mugs. Mighty Mugs. So I might take it out and see if Tarkin will chase a chihuahua around the house. I think you should, because look at what happened to Tarkin the last time he refused to evacuate. <laughs> it's true. That's true. That'll make a good, I'm not sure how TikTok works, but that'll make a good TikTok video. <laughs> Tarkin chases dog. 
Um, speaking of uh, Star Wars adventures, Joseph, we are going to launch a, a new Star Wars adventure, but it's uh, some an adventure we've we've been having recently. The Clone Wars Report, uh, which is a, a show we just had a lot of fun doing, looking at season seven of the Clone Wars. We are not leaving that world, Joseph. And yes, we know the Bad Batch is coming. We're not talking about that. We're talking about going back to the very beginning. We are going to rewatch the Clone Wars. That is right. We're super excited to do it. As you said, we did the deep dive on every single episode of Season 7 as it came out. We also did kind of four preview episodes if people wanted to go back and listen to those, talking about the main characters of uh, of Clone Wars as we saw. We did an episode on Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme. And, and Clone Wars is just something that ha- brings both you and I a ton of joy, and it is, a, uh, I think, a series that uh, just a ton of fans derive joy from. So we were like, let's go back and rewatch and how we're going to set this up is we're going to do one episode per arc so if a a story happens to be one episode we'll do an episode on that if it's a four arc episode or a four uh four episode arc we'll do a one clone wars episode on it and so we're going to go in through in the chronological order which you can find if you just google clone wars chronological order you can find a the first hit is uh starwars.com that has a great breakdown of how to watch it in order and if you want to watch it along with us we're going to start with the first sort of two-episode arc, <laughs> which are two episodes that are deeper into the show, which is Cat and Mouse and Hidden Enemy. And then that will lead into the Clone Wars movie, which we'll do a, a, an episode about as well. So I'm excited to dig in. Are you, Ken? I actually am very excited to dig in. Uh, I have, you know, Clone Wars is so is such a big of a, a big series and so many episodes, and it can get a little overwhelming when you're diving in and even uh, like I was uh, putting together my book, I wanted to include some Clone Wars stuff, but I just, I sometimes felt like I just, I don't even know where to go. Cause there's a lot of things I love, a lot of things I can talk about, but there's so many. And so I, I, I've been looking forward to doing this rewatch and this is a great way to do it. The arcs makes it a little less overwhelming. Just even a fan to just sit there and go, all right, this week I watched these two, these four. These five, these this this one, and I think that's a great way to approach. Yeah, it. and I think uh, with doing it as an arc, I think it'll be able to allow us to really look at like what's the big picture story, and we're going to talk about some of the all the fun surface stuff because that's a huge part of the joy of Clone Wars is the action and the humor and just the design of different planets and ships and all that stuff is such a a big joy. But also, there's just so much uh, canon. In Clone Wars, and I guess canon is is not the right word. I guess what I want to say is like themes and lore. I feel like everything right. that Lucas ever loved about his idea of Star Wars, he put into the Clone Wars. So I'm really excited to look back at the arcs and say like, what is this about? What is this arc really about? Why is it here? What is it celebrating? You know, is it celebrating uh, a kaiju godzilla saturday morning movie or is this one really about the horrors of war is this one about the philosophy of the jedi is this about the nature of the force and really get down to what each arc is about yeah and and you know we we talked about it during uh, our our look at season seven when the clone wars came about we didn't we didn't have podcasts to run (laughs) to as much we didn't have youtube channels to to go on and talk about clone wars and everything so it's gonna be fun to really go back and experience it uh, with our eyes now and how we view Star Wars, but also combine it with our joy and exploration of, of that series that we had going on back then. So I'm, I'm, I'm truly excited, truly excited, sir. Excellent. Me too. Me too. Uh, and speaking of uh, excited, we are going to dive into some Star Wars news and the headline uh, that we're got uh, up here first 
Well, it's it's juicy. We love juicy <laughs> headlines. Now, what's interesting about this is it's juicy, but there's no true facts you can point to that say, yes, this 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 is something. This is juicy. It's just a lot of excitement about the possibilities. Folks, I think you know what we're talking about. Is Solo 2 a series going to happen? Is Alden Ehrenreich going to come back? Well, these are the questions we're all asking after Alden Ehrenreich appeared on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast with Josh Horowitz. And here are some highlights. We do want to shout out our friends at Star Wars News Net, who, uh, of course, uh, have been uh, along with the... Uh, you know, a lot of the fan base, but they've been kind of the leaders and uh, the fo- folks behind the Make Solo 2 Happen hashtag, John Hoey and the team there. So shout out to them. They had a great article pulled out the key things of this podcast, Joseph. And here's the things. We'll run it down and we'll just dive in here. Uh, he doesn't feel any new pride now about Solo. He always felt pride. Uh, he talked about expectations of fans and the director change affecting how the movie was received. Oh, we've had some thoughts about that. <laughs> Little note here on kids about hearing about kids who love solo. That's who these movies are for kids and the kids in us. And I think that felt great and continues to feel great. Uh, he would, and this is the big one, of course, we returned to the role for the right version of it. Felt he just, he just got the character of Han to, to where the, the, the point where it's the Han we love. And, and he also goes on to say how he likes Lucasfilm as being inventive and how they're using Star Wars. All right. I dumped all that on the table, like Sabat cards, Joseph. Cause I just, <laughs> I just want to roll up our sleeves and dive into everything about this news, this interview, how we feel, the realities, what this could really mean. Let's get into the solo of it all, sir. How are you thinking? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let, let's let's try to get a full sabak, uh, even without mm-hmm. cheating with that green silop. Uh, yeah, I, I did love that he said uh, that he has always felt pride in it and that he was aware going in that okay well there's already kind of some uh baggage because of the director change and i think one of the things he said that was very wise of like you tell people there's going to be a young han solo movie and everybody pictures what that's going to be so they come in with expectations and i really liked that he said in particular that people coming around to it who maybe didn't like it the first time but are are growing uh, in their admiration of it is because it's people seeing it as what it is which is a thing that you and i have talked about a lot of that is a challenge as a fan to release your expectations and just see what is there in front of you. So I, I was, I was think that's really great that he highlighted that. I love that level of um, Alden Ehrenreich is clearly a very thoughtful guy. And I love that level of, Hey, he's not just an actor who shows up and does the job. He's thinking through all of these things, you know? And I think that shows in his performance, that intelligence, um, really analyzing how people are going to respond and what it's all really about. So that was uh, great to me. I love that he says it's for kids and the kids in us, uh, because that makes me feel included as a middle-aged man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's it's like when I look at the Lego boxes, ages 6 to 12. Nuts to that. I'm digging in. Yeah. It's like uh, we've talked a lot about the big themes of Solo, um, and I I love really that it is about can you have any even semblance of what you would think of as personal freedom or, you know, liberty to pursue your life when you're under total, you know, uh, financial and political domination uh, by a tyrannical government and crime lords, Uh, you know. It's kind of some meaty stuff. But when you and I saw it, you had seen it uh, before, but when I saw it with you at one of the early screenings in L.A., I came home Mm -hmm. and my wife was like, I don't want to know anything about it, but what did you think? And I turned around and then like whirled around like I was Han Solo with a blaster because it made me feel like a kid. (laughs) And like, that's my review. It made me feel like I want to, you know, 
jump on my bike yeah. and pretend it's the Falcon and zip down the street. It made me feel like a kid. So um, mm. I, I really mm. like that he uh, said the kids and the kids in all of us, because I think that's very true. Um, yeah. So th- those are some of my feelings about how his, 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 some of the, the way he talked about it. And then we get into like the could it return, will it return stuff. So uh, I don't want to monopolize our talking time. So it, no. did you feel anything about the, any of the, the stuff he said before we get into the, is it going to return or, or is it, is the, is yeah. it going to return stuff? What really grabbed you? No, actually I'll tell you at first it was the pride thing because you know, there were some things with another tweet from John Boyega that people this week can really twist into their narrative on how much they don't like the sequel trilogies, right? There's this thing of, of when an actor seems to distance himself or move on from a role, you know, which is just these very base level realistic things where most actors do. And most actors in Star Wars at one point have said, hey, that was fun. I'm good. I'm going to go be in a legal drama now. Or <laughs> um, So Alden has been, he, like you said, he is very thoughtful. I, 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 You can just get that sense from what he put into the role, which is probably why I admit to getting pretty angry, actually, when I hear people like, "Dah, he was good, but that wasn't solo." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 grip the dark side takes over me because he is such an actor. He's such a he just he made so many great decisions, and and he didn't do an impersonation. He wasn't a YouTube, um, uh, you know, kid trying to get a, a voiceover gig on TikTok because he can do voices. He, he's a he's a performer. He's an actor. He brings character to this this role. Uh, made it his own, but also touched on everything we love. So to hear him go like, yeah, I always, I always felt pride because he kind of did go silent, right? He wasn't, he wasn't out there on social media. He wasn't uh, doing a ton of interviews post the press push for Solo. So to hear now to be like, nah, I, I always knew what we had going on. Look who was in this movie. And yeah, with well, some issues, he acknowledges that clearly he's in, he's in the center of that storm uh, for a lot of the things. And even some of the stories that a lot of them probably just, urban legends at this point <laughs> of some of the problems on the solo set he gets it but he was to, to hear him say yeah I, I always felt pride and i think it, he, he's being nice about it i'm saying that he's kind of like hey i'm glad people are finally catching up to what we did kind of what you said joseph just like you can peel away expectations time kind of heals some wounds that you may have carried into that theater and to see it as it is and always was not perfect I get it, but a movie that to me still is almost the most new hopey of them all. Oh yeah, that ties into a lot of of the of the, of the things that George put into Star Wars. By things, I mean the influences and the, and the speed, the pacing, the adventure, all those kind of things. And I think parts of Rise of Skywalker early on actually really tap into that too. But I think Solo, I look at it and go, I bet George would have made something some somewhat something similar to this, actually, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think it feels really in line with sort of Lucas era Star Wars in, in this really interesting way, while also still being something, you know, clearly new. Um and you're right, that there was another specific quote that he said and one of the super cool things about it or the coolest thing is look at this amazing cast. Which yeah, I mean you do look at that cast and go, yeah, you really can't sleep on that cast. Yeah. No, it's great stuff. And, and, and the kids thing, you know, we, we, we bang that drum a lot and, and it's, and it's there. And, and again, that ties into new hope too, of just this, you know, whip bang, whiz bang, uh, you know, serial adventure monsters and everything <laughs> beneath it all. It's this giant lesson of tyranny and oppression and how you, you know, that's, that's new hope too. Yeah. So, 
I love that too. As far as the big juicy stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive into it. He did say uh, he would return to the role for the right version of it. And Dutch touched upon Lucasfilm being inventive and now they're using Star Wars and now they're telling Star Wars, you know, essentially saying Disney Plus, but uh, I think just kind of overall what they got now and the potential of of going forward with these stories. So um, I don't know, man. Uh, You know, a lot of people are reading into what he's, Said, hey, you wouldn't be talking about this. He wouldn't answer that question if there wasn't something going on. It's, hey, you know, maybe I can't say no. I can't say yes. Look at you and McGregor. He's done a great job for years. Going, what? What's Obi Wan? Um, you know, you can hide stuff, but this is just seems like an honest, honest interview um, that gets up get, gets up the hope. So I don't know if I what I think right now about the realities of something happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that the odds are much better than they were in, you know, in a different world. Um, I think the fact that it, I don't, I don't think there's a like, it, is it happening or isn't it, isn't it happening? You know, it's either A or B. I think it's somewhere much more in in between. He has some kind of contract, as we know, that was for other movies, which of course was like, that's not shocking. That's just what people would do when they're they're launching a movie like Solo of like, well, if it's a huge hit, we're going to want to turn around right away. Um, But I think that the the combination that he might just still plan on have a contract and the fact that Disney Plus does give this freedom where they need content and it's just not the same as a movie. Uh, big theatrical releases, even in the before times, before things have changed in, in unknown ways because of the the virus, um, that's a big commitment. There are only so many slots. So kind of, if you do Solo 2, that kind of means you're not doing something else, right? That you're putting yeah. more of your uh, your eggs in that specific Star Wars basket. And that is just so less true on Disney+, Plus, right? Because yeah. we've got all of these other series coming. So at, at that point, if Solo is not your bag, if you really don't think Alden Ehrenreich makes any sense as Solo, you can keep your Disney Plus subscription and you can watch uh, Bad Batch and Cassian Andor and you can get really excited for the Leslie Headland series and you know who knows what else is coming out. Uh, and you could just not watch Solo. <laughs> hmm. Whereas yeah. like, if that is the Star Wars movie of you know 2022 or whatever then that is really taking up the Star Wars oxygen in the room. And I think that is such a big difference in how we consume things that that makes it feel like more like a true possibility. Absolutely. It's been a talking point for a bit now that, hey, if if Solo the movie had been a series, would have been received better and everything. Those were great conversations, fun conversations, and even painful conversations to have as fans of the movie back in 2018, 2019. But now that Mandalorian has come and, and shot through the gates first and has been received well it's been considered a success um you got to imagine around those uh, those offices there uh, in lucasfilm up north or uh, disney down here that there are people who look around going hey that worked because when things work in business we try to repeat them uh, until we mess them up i guess <laughs> so, you could lose this favor by the way you know if some of the other stuff could come out maybe it maybe it hits with the thud and and quite frankly that's you know what happened a little bit with the movie, right? They were running, running pretty high. So the movie changed, uh, changed the way they looked at the movie. So things could change the way they look at Disney plus, but for right now it's real positive. And I, I, I like what you said, you know, it's good odds. Never tell Han Solo the odds, good odds. Something could be happening, but let's maybe 
talk about what that could be. He talked about finally getting, not finally like, oh, finally, but hey, as an actor, he got that character at the end of the movie to the point uh, where, you know, we kind of, the points that we loved about the character and the persona uh, that we loved about the character, not fully formed, not fully cooked, not fully out of the oven, but Han was there at the end. Um, and, he, and he would be excited, we're paraphrasing a bit here, excited playing that role going forward. But I want to dive into that a little bit, yeah. Josh, because I still think this world uh, the put, put forth by the movies is more interesting to me than just continuing Han Solo. And Han Solo's my guy, as everyone knows. Kira, Maul, the Crimson Dawn, Infus Nest, all those kind of things that Solo-verse is maybe a little bit more intriguing. But I get what Alden's saying. So what do you think about where we would take this? Yeah. Or could you take Yeah, I think I, I get what Alden is saying is this is taking him from this dream of flying to the stars to by the end he has achieved it and he's got the Falcon and he has Chewie. But more importantly, he has this freedom that he maybe uh, is not <laughs> entirely equipped to deal with, right? You know, like even the end of the movie has this great like, hey, when have I ever steered you wrong? We're just going to go make a deal with Job the Hutt and it's going to be great. And like, you have to know, like any any fan of Star, of Han Solo or Star Wars, I think would close their eyes and go, did Han's first job with Jabba go perfectly smoothly? No. And how much of that was Han's fault? Most yeah. of it. You know, and that's, I think, both the fun and where you could still get challenge in the character is he is the Han who's out there having adventures in the Falcon with Chewie. But I think at this point, he's got to have so much joy uh, of his freedom and he's got to be even more reckless than the Han we meet in A New Hope and just so cocky. And the wound of being abandoned by Kira and from his perspective, betrayed by Kira, you know, um, I think we, the audience, know a better truth, that that's not buried too deep. So he's still, I think, going to be wrestling with that pain of, I, I kind of want to help people. I kind of want to be around people. I kind of don't want to be alone, but uh, but I've been burned. And I think by the time we meet him in A New Hope, he's he's been through 10 years of, uh, he, he's tried to connect with people a few times and gotten burned again is the way I, I would take it. So he's just mm -hmm. this, he is the Han Solo he, we know, but to me, he's this great stew of volatile feelings of joy, reckless, uh, sad, and, you know, still longing for connection, but burned by connection. And if you can tell a story in, in that mode that it still has energy and fun, but is still wrestling with this guy who is conflicted about who he is, you know, you, you got a good stew. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great stew. Um, it's also why I don't think it needs to be uh, the only part of the meal. <laughs> you yeah, know, we can have all talk about. Yeah, and uh, and the stuff with Beckett learning to shoot first. And it's not a. It's it's a fun play on the old uh, joke there, the special edition kind of uh, controversy. But it's also you know what he learns and where he where he ends up. At. But it's not a straight line, right? From from Solo to New Hope, like you said. From from here to Chalman's Cantina is not a straight line. There's still a lot of things. And I, especially hearing you describe so well just what you could do with his soul, there's scar tissue forming and there's scar tissue that's still to be made. <laughs> so, because the theme, he it's that Kira scene and why I love Kira saying, you're, you, you're not the bad guy, you're the good guy, paraphrasing, but also tying that to the most wanted moment where Kira really experiences Han and what makes him good. It's not so much the, these actions, it's his view and how 
he treats her and how she, you know, I love that scene. Ray Carson just wrote it so well of, of Kira knows who she is, but she's for the first time ever sees that someone else sees that too. And, and where that comes from is so important to Han. He's not just running from the fight and he wants to be a scoundrel and he's jaded and he's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's still there. And I, he's wrestling with it. We've talked about that going away all the way to Han, end of Han's life. So how does he, how, when faced with, the fate of the galaxy is still kind of, it's bubbling up, right? I mean, he's in the thick of things going on. And now he's not just on Savarine or on Vandor. He's traveling around the galaxy and he's seeing it. And, 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 and how does he, I'm trying to profit off this chaos. I'm now trying to, I'm a smuggler trying to make my way in this galaxy, in which the empire kind of is, is helping these criminal organizations grow. And in fact, needs them to continue their kind of uh, oppression. And I'm part of that, but I, not just the rebellion. It isn't just simple as rebels going up, but just people. He's he's a, he's a good, caring person. So when he's constantly faced with that, uh, what does he do? Yeah. How does he, how does he justify his actions or his career, his money? But also, you know, is he just Robin Hood? It, it does. It can he be that? And and what does Chewie think? I'd love to get more. And I keep talking all the time. I think now more than ever at the end of New Hope. When he, when he takes his money and run, I think Chewie goes, hey, man, remember when we did this to Emphis? Are you going to keep doing this? You can't keep doing this. And I think there's some conversations that Chewie and him have probably had. So anyways, um, I think that is that is interesting stuff. It's not just the entire uh, story, but it, it, it could get repetitive in the wrong hands. Um, but that's also the lesson of Han. It's repetitive. He continues to run from himself yeah. several times. But there's all these different... Uh elements to explore and i think they're seated in the movie like what you're talking about with that that uh han shot first moment with beckett is uh that's great because he is also learning like well in order to just literally survive i have to be brutal like you know he's not a character who revels in other people's pain you know he i think he'd rather have a, a drink and a laugh you know but learning that lesson of like yeah sometimes you do just have to shoot first and in getting you know more moral quandary out of that and with the rebellion as you're saying i think there's all great points there's so much to work with uh just for him as a character and then you get into is it a continuation of the kira story as you know uh, john kasdan has been on record saying that he's got ideas for what would happen next if he was involved and if amelia clark was involved but even if not there's just uh, a, a lot of great stuff to mine the um the thing that when i was thinking about like what i wanted to see it's it's all this uh, stuff about you know who Han is as a character but when I was thinking like oh well what would be like the the pitch line the log line the the uh the, the line that would hook audiences into being excited about seeing more solo and the line that came to my mind is just an actual quote from Han from A New Hope like to me what's exciting about this is just the literal log line of kid I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other I've seen a lot of strange stuff <laughs> like, don't you kind of just want to see Han flying from one uh, corner of the galaxy to the other, seeing strange stuff? Uh, I love that solo. Strange days indeed coming to Disney Plus. Yeah, that's a great. That's a, that is a great line to pull, buddy. That is that is that is exactly what Solo's story could center around, and then it's the lessons that 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 he learns there. Again, I just I I, I remember getting in one big argument with someone at a, at a party. Um, who just was like, oh, I hated that movie. I hated Solo because, you know, you know, you can't have Han, you know, in New Hope when we meet him, he's, he's, you know, he's a bad guy. And then, you know, he's a good, he's a good guy before then. I'm like, man, you really swung and missed on understanding this movie. 
Um, but also that is not what Han is in a new hope. Nope. <laughs> There's no indication that he is a quote bad guy. Um, so a lot to play with there again. I, I personally, I'll say this. I'm personally more interested in the bigger picture. Kira stuff. I actually hope he, I hope he never runs into Kira. Mm. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't actually want that. I want that to be such a deep buried scar that never heals and he never gets a chance to heal it. And he's always left to wonder, but you know, put them in a scene again. I'm not going to turn off my Disney plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And that's a really great discussion uh, too of, uh, I definitely want Kira's uh, story to return. That's one of my biggest, biggest uh, wants out of star Wars storytelling right now, but does it have to overlap with solo or not? It's a very interesting question. Uh, very much. Well, we will absolutely update you if official word ever happens or if this is just a actor on a podcast and a long form interview talking about a lot of things and we are having fun pulling out a sentence or two, which again is part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Speaking of fun and younger characters, we finally got a little preview of the upcoming novel Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. Got a little excerpt that we uh, got to read on StarWars.com. Uh, so um, I, I read it. It, it, was, it was, I liked the pacing of it. I have started to realize that I think I just like the novels that are, quote, young adult, uh, because maybe I'm not as smart as I thought, number one, and two, they just move faster. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Joseph, what did you think about this little uh, piece, little preview we got? Well, I agree with you. I like the books for the young adult inside us all. Uh <laughs> This, uh, no, I, I, I did like it. It was, it was a great little uh, uh, slice to just give you a feeling of what this book is going to be about. Uh, you know, I'm delighted that Zori Bliss and or spoilers for people who have not read this. Uh, she's called Zori Wynn in this. So that's very fun. To, okay. Ooh, a little bit of mystery. I'm glad that she's front mm -hmm. and center because I love that character. I love that relationship with Poe. I love what we're introduced to right away, which is Poe wrestling was kind of some Han Solo-ish stuff of... Um, Hey, I'm 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 a good guy, right? But I'm attracted yeah. to to experimenting with you know you know is what I'm doing. I I'm, I want adventure. I want to push back on uh my youth. Uh, but you know in what way? Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see kind of how they continue to play with that level of morality. You know, spice running is generally in Star Wars drug running, but as they really spend a lot of time talking about in clone wars the spices for medicine too so is this is this going to be about yeah. yeah i'll run some spice what if we delivered it to these people who need it for medicine is that going to be you know a conflict of the right. book um the other thing that really struck me there was one particular line um specifically about poe kind of pushing back on being a child of heroes uh, mm -hmm. and all of those expectations of it and i love that that's got some rhythm with kylo in that that is something that probably a lot of kids his age are dealing with. And it's a way to get into something that's, you know, very real and very relatable. If you you grow up, I think, you know, with kind of loving parents who are really like, this is the straight and narrow. Don't stray from it. It makes you really curious to see what happens when you do. And that's, I think, a real world thing that's relatable and very specifically interesting in this period of time where the galaxy's lousy with, um, you know, victory babies, you know, the children of the rebellion who are getting into their teens and going, well, you, you all I ever hear about is your amazing adventures. So I want to have some. Mm. Mm. I loved it. I think we focused on the same spot because when we, even when, we were, when this news of this book got announced, 
And even going back to the Rise of Skywalker stuff, I think you and I, as often, I you know, we are on the same page. Is why we work together well and, and talk Star Wars together uh, well and have fun doing it. We are connected to this idea of what came before, and the it just kind of made sense to both of us um, that he would be like, hey, man, hey, Dad, I don't want your life. <laughs> I don't want to play, play college football. <laughs> I want to go join the band. And... It, it pops up here. I'll actually read the line because yeah, he says he talks about being for better or worse on the wrong side. Uh, and he's as he's trying to break off of Yavin 4, which is this little piece that we're reading from here in StarWars.com. But he says it, it was as if his entire being was making a decision to leave Yavin 4, to repudiate what came before and carve a new path for himself and deal with the consequences later. Either that or he'd been being a jam, not even his father's connections could get him out of. He's he's a, a teenager, a late in his teen years here. His mom has passed away. Uh, you know, and how that plays out, she could very well be, and I consider her a casualty of the Civil War, even though she survived it. Um, so to lose his mother there in some way, and have it be connected to being in the military, or being part of this new government, or or, or what's going? Because in, in this little clip here that we read, the New Republic Security Bureau is chasing him. They need him. They want some uh, something to. Uh, they want to question him about some. So I love that. That I think you and I kind of went to that. That is the center of this little piece we read and probably the center of this book. And and I, I think I'm excited to see how Poe deals with that. Yeah, it just it it gives me just really classic Star Wars uh feelings of you have to figure out who you are for yourself. You know, no one no one can teach you. You can get guidance from a mentor, and you sure do in Star Wars, but this idea of that, like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna end up following in my father and my mother's footsteps. Uh, but I can't do it with confidence until I question it for myself. Yeah. How boring of a character would Poe be if he just was like goody two shoes guy. And, and, you know, I'm all for goody two shoes people. Cause I've been one my whole life. <laughs> my mom and dad said, don't do drugs. I didn't do drugs. All right. That's me. But um, if Poe was just like, yeah, my mom was a, a pilot. My dad was a soldier. It sounds good for me. And here we go. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And it makes sense with the character that we see in the movie, even in The Force Awakens, where he is pretty much on the straight and narrow. He's still cocky. He's still taking risks, you know, and that element of his character comes from somewhere. And questioning uh, things and those around him. So this book uh, comes out. uh, Poe Dameron Freefall comes out August 4th. And you better believe we'll be reading all of that. I want to see what happens. How does Zori Bliss go from Zori... Wind Zori Bliss. What's gone on there? Um, final news story of the week. A sad one. Uh, last week, uh, Grant Imahara passed away, and he is definitely known far and wide for being part of Mythbusters, BattleBots, and many, many other things. A wide range of accomplishments and appearances, and a, a great legacy passed away suddenly last week at the age of 49. But for our purposes here, he is definitely part of of the Star Wars family, though he kind of began his career as an electrical engineer and a model maker. He got his big break, his big start at ILM, and he worked on all three of the prequels. A ton of other movies are at that time. Matrix, big stuff uh, that he did on Galaxy Quest, and that launched him into his uh, kind of on-camera career a little bit later on with Mythbusters and all that kind of stuff. He was an R2-D2 controller and essentially rebuilt R2 for the prequels with some new bells and whistles and everything. It's fast. You can find some clips out there of his work on that. But he was one of the R2 controllers. And there was even, he played C-3PO at some events. Uh, I remember hearing some of those stories from Bonnie Burton about that. Mm-hmm. And including he was on Oprah. 
So uh, here's the thing. It was, it's sad. It's tremendously sad. And uh, it's a small world. Joseph and I have both had the chance to uh, be around Grant and get to know Grant to varying degrees. I don't ever want to position myself as someone who knew him super close. But for a long time, for a couple of years, he, he has up until his unfortunate passing last week. He was tremendously close with my uh, one of my best friends and writing partner, Matt Key. So there was a period of time I, I got to be around Grant a lot. And this is a huge loss that hit a lot of people really hard. And, and Joseph, you had a story you told me, and I, I really wanted you to share it uh, here, that uh, your interaction, your big interaction with him was him to a T. Yeah, yeah. I met him on the Jonathan Colton cruise. Uh, and for anybody who isn't familiar, you know, Jonathan Colton is a singer, songwriter, uh, luminary in the general nerd and pop culture sphere. And he has this uh, cruise uh, that's all sorts of awesome people that, that I got a chance to meet on that and, and become, you know, friends with uh, Will Wheaton and John Scalzi and uh, all, all sorts of people. Um, and uh, one of the later ones that I was on, uh, Grant was a guest as well. And uh, he was just so friendly and welcoming, which everybody says about him, which is absolutely true. Uh, but, you know, I came up to talk to him because I wanted to ask him about the prequels. And he had come to one of my shows that I did on the boat and was like very complimentary and friendly. And it's, it's all stuff that people are saying about him. But what struck me about it in that moment when I met him is it was an environment where he absolutely could have big timed me. He, he, you know, especially on a boat full of nerds in, in the people who go on this boat, there's a lot of people who are big pop culture fans, but are also like extremely technically knowledgeable people. A lot of, um, software and physical engineers, uh, like Grant and, and, you know, people loved him and knew him from Mythbusters. He was, a huge star on in the world yeah. but particularly on this boat so he absolutely could have been like who are you you know and the level at which he did not do that the level at which he was like yeah i'd love to talk to you about that and uh, i really enjoyed your show and and he was just you know i i think it's what everybody's saying about him but i got to experience it in that moment is everybody is taking the time to go like you just did to be really respectful to people who were truly deeply close to him and say, I, I wasn't truly deeply close to him, but he made you feel like you were. And yeah. I think that is just a magical thing to have somebody who is not only that, you know, talented and charismatic, but just made you feel special by talking to him. And, and that's absolutely what he did uh, when I met him got to do a, you know, a couple different panels and shows and, and he would pop up at parties all the time, uh, for people. He, he was on the, we were on the same panel the day you and I met Grant and I were on that panel together the I day was, you and I met. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so mm -hmm. he was also just, if you're in the LA, you know, uh, pop culture nerd world at all, he was just kind of a, a, a presence, um, as well as his well-earned fame. Um, and, and that, that's the big thing for me is just um, that gift of being in the presence of someone who makes you feel special um, and is themselves an amazingly special person and, and just treated everyone with a huge amount of just kindness and respect. Yeah. I, I love that uh, tale. And, and yeah, that's true. Uh, how Joseph and I met, I was uh, uh, attending, uh, what was it? LA, it was LA comic-con. 
And uh, my friend Audrey Kearns had a panel, and on it was uh, my buddy Matt Key and Grant Emar. So I followed uh, Matt and Grant over there and sat in the audience, and I was like, who's this uh, just real funny jerk from Minnesota up there? <laughs> it's making me laugh, and I hate when other people make me laugh. And that's literally how Joseph and I met. That's the day I, I, I went there. And, yeah, it's so true. In this, in this industry where, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, ego, and we all have it in some certain degree, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it was all ego, and there's all chest pumping, and there's all an exchange of, of resumes. What do you do? What do I do? What do we do? You know, and lot, some of that's just natural, unfortunately. Uh, Grant was often the smartest and most successful person in the room, and I can tell you the least concerned about it. Hmm. And it, time and time again, it showed in your story when you, you told me that um, off air. It was like, yeah, that 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 really is it. And and my one personal experience I, I have, um, and there's some things that you know are just not my story to tell of things he's done for people, and he was involved heavily in the amazing. Um, uh, marriage proposal that Matt Key put together. That's a, a, a LARPing thing. You can find it on YouTube and, and Grant was a big part of that and gave so much of his time freely. But I, you know, I, I was in the, the, this crazy wild nerd friend group still am, but you know, I was at the heyday of it like five, six years ago and I got invited to a Dungeons and Dragons game and I, I don't, I don't, I know it. I don't, I never really played it. And I was really intimidated. Uh, people like, you know, Matt Mercer was the DM. His wife, Marisha was playing, Matt Key was playing, uh, uh, all these folks who, who now have careers on the, and I was, uh, I was really intimidated, really afraid, but I, they invited me and I wanted to do this. They said, don't worry, we're going to pair you with Grant. And Grant hadn't at the time, hadn't played D and D as much. or hadn't played in a while. And I kind of communicated with Grant and we were going to be uh, dwarf warlords. <laughs> brothers. And I was just like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. This is going to be fun, but I don't know what to do. And he showed up. He's like, don't worry. And he showed up with not just a, a backstory of our characters. He showed up with a, a song that our warlord dwarfs uh, would sing together. And he and I sat in the corner of this of this D&D game, just talking in bad Gimli voices Um the whole night and my intimidation of being there, you know, which again, no one in that group was making me intimidated. I was, and he went out of his way. Grant did to just pull me in and be like, yeah, we're going to have fun. And that's one of my grant, uh, grant memories that I love. And, and the final one, I took a picture, uh, with him. I have, I think I have it on my Facebook bag. I pulled it, uh, to, to, to share in some of my knapsack files, discord stuff. I was at, uh, it was, um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2015. It's Matt Key on a phone and Grant, and I'm, I'm taking a selfie with them. And Grant told me that, you know, he said, I, this is, I said, hey, goodbye, you know, con convention craziness. And he goes, don't worry, man. Three minutes of convention time is equal to like eight months of real time. Uh, <laughs> and it was friends. And you know what, Grant, 49 years is not enough time, but he packed so much life into those 49 years that it is that same equation. Three minutes of con time, eight minutes of life, 49 years, too short but man, what a lifetime. So we here at Force Center, part of the Star Wars community, uh, we say goodbye to a really, really just wonderful person. And, you know, in this day and age where a lot of times people are exposed for maybe who they are or other, the, the negative underbelly the industry is a lot of times put out there, it's nice to know that someone that maybe from afar, maybe you watched them on Mythbusters or BattleBots, or just saw an interview and you thought, that guy seems pretty good, seems pretty great. It's nice to know he was, and that's one of the things I'll take from uh, his life as well. Be who you are, be kind, and put that first, and that will get you some places. And uh, man, Grant, 
We miss you, man. His loss is felt by so many people, but we here at Force Center wanted to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to say is um, if you want to feel just a, a little bit of, there'll be some sadness in it, but a little bit of joy, just Google Grant Imahara and Baby Yoda. There's a great article written uh, written up by Bonnie Burton, a friend of Grant's and ours as well, about how he just, he saw Baby Yoda and he's like, I got to build one of those to take to hospitals. And it's just everything. It's just, it's just a vision of choosing to use your talents to put joy and excitement into the world. And I... I think we all need inspirations for that. And I think uh, that's to me, one of the great things about Grant, he's an inspiration and he will continue to be an inspiration for using your time and your talent uh, to put joy into the world. Mm -hmm. Well said indeed, sir. Cheers, Grant. Cheers, Grant. We'll see you on the other side. We're going to take a quick break here. On the other side of this break, we'll have our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And we are going to dive into Jedi Temple Challenge. Real fun episode. We'll see you on the other side of this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, 
Me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Welcome back to Force Center, the news and cues. We are uh, fast approaching the cues part of the show. But before we do, Joseph, we want to do our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think they out there listening should try on us. What do we have this week? This week, we still have Alphabet Squadron, colon, Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. We will be discussing it on Thursday. So if you want to give a give, give a listen so you're all caught up, go for it. You can do it here. Do it here. Uh, download your free audio book today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. Grab a book and support the show. All right. Episode seven of Jedi Temple Challenge. Oh boy, we got some stuff in here. This, I thought, was a real cinematic episode. There's some cinematic moments here, but here's our teams. We always love to talk about the teams Teho and Hannah, the blue team, Kyan and Benji, orange team, Clementine and Oliver, the purple team. Loved all these kids. Some of their uh, names, particularly Kyan and Clementine, reminded me of Apple. And uh, all these wonderful names, <laughs> different generations have. Uh, loved it. Uh, loves hearing that there. Um, did you have a reaction to the name Kyan like I did, Joseph? You know, I was just having a reaction to all the names because some of them I'm familiar with. But it is just like it's a great generational reminder. And uh, please, please, I want to get as many uh, of younger generation names, very modern young generation names said. I want them to win so I can hear Yoda say, <laughs> good job, Kyan, Clementine. 
Look, I'm not I'm not saying we need a bunch of bobs and bills, but uh, it's definitely we're in a uh, very uh, colorful names and I love them. But blue team, orange team, purple team, they went into it. And look, uh, there's some stuff we're going to talk about here. And uh, Joseph, I'm going to I'm an old little league coach. All right. I coached some baseball for a while. I, 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 the coach in me started to come out. So I didn't not- know that about you. And yet I did. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. Yes. Right. <laughs> um yeah. So, uh, look, this is, we're having fun. We're not, we're not here to, to hammer on the competitive stylings of 10 year olds, but man, I got to, uh, <laughs> uh, but first uh, this was cinematic. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, Tejo helping his sister, Hannah, pulling her back from the brink more than one time when she was about to fall and she did fall and, and pulling her with the, the rope and everything. I was like, this is truly a star Wars adventure, man. I loved it. Oh yeah, that was great. That was great. I I got. Uh, are you ready for a, a, a Jedi Temple challenge conspiracy theory? Yes, I am. You know, every week when it comes on, and there's uh, there younger children or shorter kids, I'm like, they're gonna get just screwed. Sorry, <laughs> by the leap and lift. It's trying to find another word. I failed. Yeah. They're gonna have an unfair disadvantage on the leap and lift. And we cut away. We know that a couple of those, uh, the the shorter kids were definitely having a hard time, and yet we cut away, and they mm. still somehow got the pieces. And I want to see that footage, because I think I the Leap and Lift is unfair. I think we could release the Leap and Lift footage hashtag. <laughs> uh, uh, occasionally, the great and wonderful Scott Bromley, who co-created the show, produced Star Wars show, he'll, he'll listen. He'll listen to Force to listen to some Jedi Challenge review stuff. Uh, Scott, if you're listening, we want to release the leap and left footage. <laughs> we want to see it uncut, uncut, cut. It gives a great tension every episode. Like, uh, how's that kid going to do on the leap and left? Yeah. So this is the the point. And a lot of people in our discord, were talking about it. Uh, we have, I got to tell you it all of all the things we through our Patreon page, we have the discord, uh, server where you can join the conversations and all those kind of things. The most interaction right now is on the Jedi temple challenge. After every episode, we'll pour into the Discord server to, to talk about it. And they were talking about this moment. Kyan and Benji were doing so good. And it looked as though they were going to uh, be one of the two teams that advance. And they get their pieces. They get back. Benji, God bless him. All at 10. <laughs> I coach baseball ages 9 to 12. All right? That was the the, the, the experience. Two years of a coach. Uh, Lily coach. I was a manager second year. All right? Benji violated one of my sport rules. It's from Barry Sanders, the great running back from the Detroit Lions. Act like you've been there before. And Benji, God bless him. He was so happy. Joseph, he was so happy. Put his hands in the air and screamed, yes, yes. Then was reminded, you must build your lightsaber hilt. He turns around, his partner, Kyan, turns around, what? Huh? And the other team comes in and sneaks in, not even sneaks, finished the job and built that hilt and moved on. Oh, my heart was breaking, but what a coaching moment. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It is that lesson of the Jedi of like, yes, yes, uh, joy, adventure, you know, excitement, pride. These are all good emotions, but they can be dangerous. <laughs> And this was a dangerous moment. What is the term? I learned it watching a uh, Super Bowl uh, when uh, there's a penalty for it. Is it excessive celebration in the end zone? Is that the term? 15 yards on the ensuing kickoff, my friend. You better believe it. Excessive <laughs> celebration. That's what I that's the sport I thought of. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, this is an excessive celebration error. 
Yeah, no, I like I like my passion and my sports contests. I'm actually a, a, an old school baseball fl- fan who actually enjoys these new things like bat flips and kind of uh, I enjoy a player showing his heart. Uh, but this is this is and you and I talked a little early on uh, the competition angle and 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 how that can sometimes um, go awry. There, there's certainly valuable lessons to be learned from uh, sports and competition. All those things I definitely believe it as a coach. But this is when the hubris of competition <laughs> overshadows your mind. And I hope, I feel, I trust that Benji has absolutely learned this uh, moment going forward, not just uh, in this game, should he play again, but in life as well. Life. Yeah, yeah. And, and and to your cinematic point, and, and the reason yeah. that Benji's just brief moment of celebration was critical is it was so tight. Everybody was, so, they were, everybody was killing it on all of these uh, challenges, and it was so tight. It was really thrilling. It was thrilling. It was thrilling. But we moved on to the next round. And uh, first of all, I love of the orange Clementine and, and Oliver. This Oliver kid. Um, yeah. Was, some of his quotes. I only wrote down one. I could have written down a lot more. But not only his quotes, but the way he said them, his phrasing. Uh, it's just, I love this kid. And it, what he, was just, <laughs> he said, the previous steps have already been a thrill ride. <laughs> yeah, uh, that kid's me. Uh, that that kid is, uh, you know, glasses and everything. Uh, glasses and vocabulary. That was me. I love it. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> story, we pulled out. We always love pulling out some stuff. And I got to ask you, what do you feel about purple curry, a purple curried crunch bucks? I like it. I love them. I kind of like the, uh, I, I, the these stories are all great. And I like this kind of phraseology that's really been emerging in a lot of the Star Wars literature that is literature, the books that let's see, I'm being like Oliver. Um, that sounds like, you know, like calf for coffee. Like I like yeah. the things that it's not of this world, but it kind of sounds like it is of this world uh, that, you know, purple curried crunch bugs does sound mm-hmm. like some sort of a uh, weird delicacy, you know? Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to see them at uh, Galaxy's Edge. I want a lot of things <laughs> for the show to show up in Galaxy's Edge. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. Right? I want a whole Jedi Temple challenge, you know, playset for adults at uh, Galaxy's Edge. And we are point, I believe it was our friend Kai Thatch in the, in the discord server reminded, cause we talked about the outfits last week. Would you, what one would you buy if it was at Batu or Doc Ondors? And I, I do believe it was Kai. I don't want to give credit to him if it's not him, but I do believe it's Kai cause he has a lot of experiences down there in SoCal at Disneyland that the outfits are part of the Jedi Academy kind of training show. We talked about Kim Cannon being a part of that. She was a previous guest here on, on Force Center. Uh, and that's where the outfits have come from. And, and uh, I, I really love that connection. I think that's yeah, great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Clementine and Oliver did make it then, but they did not become Jedi Knights. It just didn't. They got, they didn't go. They didn't even, the dark side didn't even have a chance to show up. They like threw in Whitworth at the end. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I think they just were, they, there was a cut in. I think I want to release the full dark side cut. I think they were so fast and worked together so well. Dark side didn't have a chance to even take hold, but then they got held up on the, on the, the plugs, the lighting plugs here. But you know what, Joseph, uh, there's a great lesson. They said it in their post-interview. They didn't become Jedi, but they remained proud. I think that's important to take from this match. Yeah, as Oliver said, uh, naturally, they would have preferred to win. <laughs> but no, it was, it, was, it, was a re- it was a truly great episode. They all did, you know, say things early on about their competition and their desire to win. But everybody played, like, really hard with just such uh, great enthusiasm and spirit. and 
it was great to see like, no, Oliver and Clementine did not give in to the dark side at all. Uh, they panicked a little bit, uh, as I think uh, most people would, uh, trying to plug those things together and they didn't quite make it. But uh, it felt like this episode was full of, uh, of true Jedi Knights. True Jedi Knights, indeed. And, you know, if Joseph and I ever get to compete in the adult version of this show, please, fingers crossed, I can see how it's going to be. We're going to be up there uh, and I'm going to be like, the lights are on, let's go. And you're going to be like, our way has been illuminated forward. We shall <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I got mocked thoroughly uh, at Thanksgiving dinner because the gravy was forming a skin. I think I was like in fourth grade and I'd read this word probably in a doctor who novelization. I was like, the gravy is coagulating. <laughs> that's the best that is the best you sir are amazing and oliver if you're listening clementine and oliver you you all were great and oliver you are a character and i i I hope i hope there is a chance to see some of these kids come back for uh some uh some stuff so that was a great episode of jedi temple challenge and as always some great stuff with ahmed best mary holland i really enjoy the way that they are um they're uh, interacting with each other a lot of fun but at the end of the day, we want to release the leap and lift footage. <laughs> release it all. Uncut leap and lift footage. I would never endorse online harassment, but if any of our listeners want to tweet Scott, Scott Bromley and just say, Force Center wants you to re- hashtag release the leap and lift footage, let's get it going. All right, Joseph, that's our look at the seventh episode of Jedi Temple Challenge. Three more left in this first season. Now we're going on to audience questions. That is right. We pull audience questions from social media and from our patrons on Patreon. We're going to start with some questions from Twitter. Uh, This one comes from Glenn Davis. Glenn says, what's the one minor character from the sequel trilogy you would love to have a deluxe action figure of? Grumgar relaxing, caretakers repairing hut, Oma Trace and his shop. Those are all great options. So uh, part of me just wants to say, yes, I want all of those. (laughs) But Ken, where are you going? This this one tortures my soul because we don't have a lot of major characters uh, from the sequel trilogy who are action figures yet. It's just times change and interests change and uh, economies change and all that thing. But if you could have not major characters, but uh, little uh, side characters, deluxe action figure, where are you going in the sequel trilogy? Well, you you kind of said it there too with Glenn. Not only a great question, but great answers. I just can't get my mind off of Grumgar and Bazine Natel just kind of relaxing. Like that play set would be great. And as we're recording, you know, there's some new um, information coming out of uh, Black Series releasing like a Battle of Endor set with some. I think we even got. Uh, I think it, I think I saw Poplu and a speeder bike and what? Uh, Leia, uh, Luke with Poncho, Han, but no trench coat on Han, Ooh. which is controversial. Um, so. I love those kind of uh, deluxe action figures, three and three quarters or black series, obviously hot toys, shot sideshow. So I, and trying to give you an answer, I, I want, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit and go outside the sequel trilogy, but stay in the modern era. Mm. And there may be a figure of him. I can't remember, but I want the deluxe action figure of Rala Keeley, Clint Howard's <laughs> character. And I want him with, uh, they never had it so good action where he comes with some battle bots there, some droids fighting. And, uh, you know, you can include L3 in this as well and have the L3 choking Rala Keeley. <laughs> 
seen. Um, I just really love, I actually love Clint Howard. I, I just, his appearances in movies and Ron's films and, and all his stuff going back to when he was a child actor. I just think he's a fascinating, um, just kind of character actor. And I love that he's in star Wars and he fits so perfectly in star Wars. And the fact that he's Rally Keeley and we got Madeline Keeley, love that connection. So I'll take that. And then uh, to stick with the actual question, I, and, and I was trying to think if maybe even you had suggested this in some form or other, um, Joseph, but I want the Sergeant Salty Sharp playset. Oh, yeah, that's a great pick. So you can you can include Gareth Edwards, sit next to him and just have some. I think it comes with a packet of like little sea salt. <laughs> you can open the packet and put it down and have Salty Sharp say it's salt. Yeah, with like finger taste in action, you squeeze his legs and his fingers yeah. goes to his mouth and his tongue comes out. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> that is a great selection. Uh, man, I'll keep this short because I, mm. I could go real long on, on the action figures. As we know, if I was going to go outside of the sequel trilogy to just the Disney era, it would definitely be a two pack of, uh, of, of my beloved uh, Vat Weirdo and uh, Orodia Ventafoli. Uh, singing away there on the yeah. first light, you know. Oh boy! I, yeah, I would, I would absolutely have to have uh, those those characters. Ludo Primak, his real name. Yeah. That hurts. We don't have that, right? I know. And and this is, you know, it's just I, I have faith. So many things in Star Wars have disappeared and come around again. I have faith that we will get to that point that we did get to the original trilogy of like, would you like this exact frame of Han's expression when he's halfway melted out of the carbon freezing? <laughs> Yeah, the carbonite. Okay, you can look. His eyebrows are going up. You know, we'll get there. I believe it. I believe it. But if I was going to do deluxe action figures from specifically the sequels, uh, I Claude would be funny if they were made a big deal out of like he's got all sorts of articulation. Look at how much his eye stocks move. Uh, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, with the uh, the squeeze and scream action, I would definitely like with Claude. Um, this would be. I think you would like this one. A Rothgar Deng that you like, kind of transformer that you can uh, yeah. go from Dengar to do all the medical upgrades until he turns into Rothgar Deng. Oh, that's great! Like battle damage, He Man. You just kind of flip some stuff around, and he's got- <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you stretch out his head and make his mouth go weird. Yeah. Oh, um, and then my my final one. I think this is the the big one that I'd go for ultimately. Um, because I like, I always love the figure packs that are like this one specific moment, but also a little bit like, what, why'd you make an action figure of that? Uh, I would love the Thalassiren deluxe pack. Uh, this is, you can somehow actually milk the Thalassiren, uh, and it comes with a action figure of Luke that has the little bit of green milk in the beard. Yes. Oh, frothy mug Luke. With <laughs> frothy the- mug Luke. That's yeah. I think it's going to be a long wait for that one. So I'm going to have a lot of patience, a lot of patience. Love that too there. And I'll take, I'll throw it in uh wicket and Pomet. Oh, Skywalker. Great too. Well, I'm glad that you ended on something that is actually likely. I can see that one <laughs> happening for sure. No frothy mug. Luke is going to happen. <laughs> someday, uh, someday okay. we can dream. We can dream. Uh, Deluxe Ray with uh, also a quizzical uh, upset uh, expression on her face as well. Yep. Yeah. We're going to move on to Gary Thursby. Gary's question is uh, is a little deeper. My question is, when do you think is the exact moment Anakin returned in Return of the Jedi? I always thought it was when Vader was standing next to the Emperor watching Luke get electrocuted. My father, however, feels it's right after Luke defeats Vader. Vader puts his hand up for mercy. 
Luke shows mercy, lays his saber down, and confronts the Emperor. That compassion is what brings back Anakin. He was just biding his time next to the Emperor, waiting for the right moment to vanquish him. So this is a first for us, Hmm. Ken. We get to decide a generational conflict (laughs) (laughs) between Uh, Gary and his father uh, about a son and a father, kind of. What is your thoughts? uh, What are your thoughts on when Anakin truly returns? Well, first of all, I mean, wow. Yeah, this is a meta question here, right? Um, And also, we record this uh, episode on Mondays, Gary, too early on Monday for this deep and important of a Star Wars question. I got to say, it's a great question here. Joseph, I'm going to go with my gut reaction and say I'm kind of on Gary's side that it's more when Luke is calling to him and saying, Father, Father, please, uh, with the lightning bolts going around his teeth. However, I can see, I can break it down and get where a lot of that happens. I don't know, it, for my for my money, my Republic credits, Vader down, losing his hand, kind of, you know, asking for mercy is not Anakin. It is a broken, beaten uh, shell of Vader, and, and that causes Luke to see, you know, again, literally, oh gosh, his hand, my hand, all that kind of stuff, but, but it, it, it sees... Luke causes, uh, I think that causes in a way Luke to see Anakin, or Vader, excuse me, confusing here, uh, as he really is. And that kind of s- connects with him and causes him to throw down the blade. But I don't know if his father, Gary's father is completely wrong here on this. No, I, I think I, I think I still go to the end. I still think, I think, I think because I don't see it play. I don't, it's never played to me as Vader's back up waiting to, for the moment to kill the emperor. I think he is back up out of habit, out of what the last 20 years plus has been for him. And it's, he's still kind of kicking some thoughts around his brain for sure, but it's not until that father please moment, but I don't know. I don't know. I could be knocked off that uh, pedestal there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm mostly in agreement with you. A huge shout out to Gary's father just for, really pointing to that moment, which I haven't really considered a lot of Vader putting his hand up and what exactly that means. I, I go with you that I think that is a moment of Vader is beaten. You know, I think a thing that he hasn't really experienced much. We've seen a lot in the comic books that, you know, he, he gets beat up a lot, but not totally like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Um, the way I see it is I think Vader is weakening throughout return of the Jedi. Um, Mm -hmm there's a lot of moments that are softened and, and he even says, you know, to Luke, it's, you know, too late for me, my son. Uh, but I'm committed. I, I have to, you know, I am of the dark side. I am attached to my master in some mysterious way, even if that's just by choice, uh, whatever that is that it feels like, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, uh, uh, weakening Mike, uh, but, but I'm committed to the, the, this path. I don't, I don't see how I can turn back. And I, I hadn't really, uh, I've considered it, but this question really made me think about, I think that's part of the reason that Luke is able to beat him is that Vader is trying. He is trying to say, well, you know, you're foolish. You're going to fall before the dark side. It is inevitable. I'm going to keep fighting you. I'm going to threaten your sister. I'm going to, you know, use that exact same manipulation that was used on me. You know, if you don't turn, your loved one is going to pay for it. Um, but maybe it is that Luke is, is beating him because Vader's connection to the dark side, it, to, the ang- to his anger, is weakening. He is not drawing as much power, and he is thoroughly defeated. And that hand is just saying, I'm, I'm down. Um, 
and I, I tend to agree with you that that dramatic moment, he is turning his head back and forth, trying to decide, you know, you can almost think about it like Vader hasn't had a reason to turn back. You know, he's, yeah. he hates Obi-Wan. He blames the Jedi. Padme's gone. Why would he ever turn back? And he's so far down that road when, when he connects with Luke that this is a f- first moment where it's like, well, maybe there's something, maybe there's a reason to turn back. And I think he's making that decision as he's looking between Emperor and Luke. Uh, and, and is he thinking through like, I've been, it wasn't my son, but I've been in this exact position before to choose between Sidious and a Jedi. And, you know, and, and that choice had consequences. And what's the choice going to be this time? And, you know, I know it's super, super controversial. A lot of people don't like it. That last pass that Lucas did on the changes to the original trilogy, he put in that no. And that feels like the moment of decision to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it plays even without that no, uh, which is why it's controversial. Yeah, and I love, exactly. I, love I love the poetry with him, Anakin, choosing between Mace and Sidious uh, years uh, prior. I still think there's some base level stuff of... of Anakin or Vader, whoever's in there, and I've always con- contended that both are in there. It's just an ongoing war that he's looking at his son and going, and maybe for the first time thinking, I I went through hell and I still go through hell. I'm still in pain physically, like literal pain. And to watch my son through that now, I, I you know, there's something connect. I'm connecting to that on some guttural base level, and I'm not going to let that happen to my son, among all the other things going on i love what you said about the vader slowly weakening through the movie I, I i think i think that that scene with him and and luke on endor is a pretty big scene that's maybe sometimes overlooked in in bigger conversations about star wars or even return of the jedi or luke and vader's relationship you you said at that moment where he's like you know it's it's too late for me my son it, I, it reads as yeah you're probably right but eh I'm going to vote for him anyways. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. uh, and that really resonates with me. Uh, and I think that d- deserves deeper, uh, probably deeper analysis and, 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 and a combing over of that scene. And I think, I think a lot of it, I, I, all this to say, Gary's father's not this. I'm not saying this is a, a debate where one's right or wrong. I think what Gary's father is picking up on is it is a gradual slide. It's a gradual defeat of Vader by Anakin that is, is then pushed over um, by Luke uh, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think maybe you could look at the hand coming up as the, he stops being, he stops being actively Vader in that moment. He stops trying to push back and fight and then Anakin yeah. arises. Yeah. Yeah, there's great rhythm there, too, for just the way I think about the dark side, I think, because of um, the great moment with Kylo Ren and Rise of Skywalker, where you really see, like, there's no point, in, even if I have light, uh, even if I have doubt and feel a pull to the light, there's no point in turning back because, you know, mm. Leia, I can't go back to Leia after what I've done, you know, and yeah. that almost reads as like, well, son, I got nothing to come back for. <laughs> yeah. So too bad. I mean, it would have been great if I could turn back to the light side, but that's just not the way it goes. Sorry, kid. <laughs> Sorry, kid. Next time. Sorry, kid. Next time. Yeah. Great stuff, Gary and Gary's father. Thank you. Uh, this is what I love about getting some of these questions that really uh, make us think through beats in Star Wars that we know well, but get to look at them in a new light. We're going to move on to our questions from Patreon. Our first question is from uh, patron Will Culbertson, and I'm going to be real honest here. We've had a thread going on our Patreon page for a while of questions, and I wanted to get to everybody's questions. 
there's a slim chance we've talked about this question before. <laughs> it's just about time for uh, new questions from our patrons. But this is what Will has to say. Thinking about the future of Star Wars animation, so far, every animated series has had its own distinct visual style. What would you say the pros and cons would be of Lucasfilm agreeing upon a single visual style for all animated projects going forward? While it may make things a bit less interesting visually, it could be a more cost-effective way to produce more animated content while expanding the Star Wars brand across multiple shows on Disney+. Ken, where do you fall on this, pro or con, if all of the animation was in the same style for a little while? Um, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll fall down on the con side, though I understand where Will's coming from. I, I kind of kind of like the subtle differences uh, of, of each show. And, you know, Clone Wars grew just as the tech grew and got better this season seven. Clone Wars, as we talked about, I was just just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And I, I kind of hope Bad Batch is in the same vein. I'd rather uh, have it just feel like the Clone Wars series, but I don't need it to. Rebels, I remember when Rebels came out, some of the designs, and it's more the, the character designs and, and the art and all that kind of stuff, I, I was not on board for early on. I, I didn't even like the bright colors. I was like, white hair is an orange, and we get Sherbert because it's Sherbert in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> uh, again, I'm in the middle of this Rebels rewatch. This is a series that I loved. When the series ended, I was like, nope, that's some of the best Star Wars out there. I'm, so it's not like some new revelation. But it's just amazing to me how I'm reacting to a lot of things that I just didn't react to, particularly in season one and two, and how the show looks and feels I really enjoy. Resistance, a little more sleeker, some beautiful space fighting. And I loved it. But I think, and, and, and I actually almost a Galaxy of Adventures uh, with Titmouse mm -hmm. animation. Look wonderful and a, and a series in that regard. So I don't know if I was to choose one and go with the Rebels style, but, but Will, you know, I know a lot of folks in the animation industry, my old roommates were you know, the animation industry worked for SpongeBob and they went to CalArts. Uh, one of my friends designed a lot of the stuff for Invader Zim. That's uh, a lot of his work. Um, I, you don't want to pin those folks down. You want them to go wherever they want to go and find their own styles and, and how they design things. And, and, and I don't know, I'm not an expert in it though, but that's where I'll go. I'll go con. I'll go con. <laughs> you go con, con. Some deep and good thoughts on uh -huh. con there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think uh, if if it was a matter of we have to keep them cheaper or they can't exist, then I'd be like, oh, this is an interesting sure. experiment. Then what is our sort of uh, idealized? It's Star Wars, and everything's going to be in this style for a little while because you know I've written for animation with a uh, Tig Tone uh, on Adult Swim, weird fantasy comedy show, which is it's a my my friend Andrew, who's one of the co-creators, made up in animation style, and then uh, Titmus had to reverse engineer it because it was so weird to figure out how to do it. But even Absolutely. then, in the writer's room, there's like, can we afford that discussions of creative yeah. stuff? You know, that, that's a big part of animation. So I, I get where that is, uh, where that's coming from. And, and I, I struggle, I still struggle with the lightsabers being thin in Rebels. I totally get it. It's all based off uh, Ralph McQuarrie. And that's just like an, a little aesthetic thing that like I, le I have to let go because it's like, ooh, eh, I just want to reach in and pinch them, <laughs> make them bigger. <laughs> uh, but all that said, I think what I get out of the different styles and why I like the different styles is there's something about it that reinforces this theme of Star Wars that I like of both different points of view in this idea that these are stories, these are myths. And I like all the canon connecting. I like it all being true. And I like that we are that we are seeing for the most part the uh, accurate record of events that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But 
seeing rebels in one style makes me feel like, well, this is a specific era in time and a specific group of people. And maybe that's coming from one storyteller or one specific tome. But like, but the story of the Bad Batch, it comes from Clone Wars, but it's the era after Clone Wars where these very unique clones are dealing with the fallout of Order 66. So maybe that's a whole different storyteller and that's a whole different book. And what does that visual look like? And there's something about the styles that just reinforces that sense of myth and different stories, all these different stories coming together to tell one big story. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a good old four center. Well said there. Um, <laughs> so, and, and well, this is a, this is a great question and I get it. I get the, I get where it comes from. So it, it made me think and I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I love these questions that uh, ask us to really consider the practical too. Cause if Disney plus really is, you know, counting their nickels and going, we could do yeah. two animated shows or one, but if we did two, it would have to be the similar style. You know, it, it's not like Disney is ever going to put that out as a, you know, a Twitter poll to vote on. <laughs> <laughs> but if it just meant more, I'd be OK with it. Uh, but I do like the the multiple styles. Great question, Will. Uh, and uh, apologies if we've answered it twice. Uh, but great to think about is Bad Batches coming out and so closely associated with uh, Clone Wars. It's a spinoff. So it would be really great to see what that art is going to be. We're going to move on to our final question from a patron on Patreon, longtime listener, Mark Canope, uh, always doing the best with the name. I think still somehow never quite nailing it myself. And Mark mm -hmm. is a great uh, supporter. So thank you, Mark, for all of the name shenanigans over the years. But here's Mark's uh, great question. Do you think we'll get more stories with the sequel trilogy characters, especially set after episode nine? Or do you think they'll avoid it for a while? I'm really excited for the High Republic, but I hope we'll also get other stories. I'm excited for that Poe book, but I want more. I want more. Uh, Mark only wrote, I want more once, and, and I got excited. What do you think in here, Ken? We've talked about this uh, before, but what are you feeling now? You're getting this Poe book. We're, we're realizing, you know, not only in the animated world, but the swirling possibilities of live action disney plus the expansion of different books and audios and comic books what are you wanting for the sequel trilogy characters i'm wanting right now a little bit of the the backstory to be filled in and again i'm not some and this was actually a discussion a really good discussion going on on our discord server last week i'm not a i don't need every shadow and corner filled in in star wars but there's some big things i just like to know, and I want to spend time with these characters. I like Mark and really, I'm going to underline really excited for the Poe book. I, I want more of that story. I want more of, of his uh, relationship with Zori and the spice runners and all. I, I, I just, I'm really excited for it. And I think you could give me some of those stories um, in book form or audio drama form. And, and I'd be really happy going forward, which is, um, where Mark is really starting his question set after. I do think, and we've talked about it before, but I, I think they'll have to kind of avoid it for a little bit. I think it just, um, there's, there, that's, that's a big, that's a big undertaking of moving mm -hmm. the galaxy forward, moving the stories forward. Uh, they did it once, uh, you know, George wrapped it all up uh, himself. Uh, even, even, even if he had thoughts of what was to come, he did wrap it up with a big old celebration on Endor. So you got to go, you got to do that again, carefully. Um, not that I haven't even thought about it. Um, the reality, especially when it comes to making content, I think we all, uh, we even talked about it here, you know, 
Boyega, Daisy Ridley, uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, they, they've done it. They are happy with it and, and they've, it's made them successful <laughs> in a lot of ways and they're ready to get back to uh, different sides of acting in, in their career. Um, so that's kind of my overall thought. And we, we're talking, we're talking about it. We mentioned this recently, Joseph, and I think it's going to be a topic, uh, you know, Republic reborn kind of looking ahead of just having some fun, almost fan fiction in our own way of what could come after that. So, uh, Mark, love to hear your thoughts on that too. Um, but that's my, that's my complicated answer for a simple question. No, no, it's a, it's a complicated answer for a complicated question. I will echo that. I'm excited for the Poe book. I think it's the Poe book is exciting because this revelation that he had this uh, this sort of a questionable period in his past opens up storytelling. You know, if we could get some really great writers to get into Ray on Jakku, Finn training in the First Order and find a way to make those stories, you know, uh, really meaty and meaningful while still, you know, not developing the characters to the point that we see them in the movie to take away from that storytelling. I think that would be interesting but their their storytelling is a little limited uh by their past so i think that leaves us really excited for stuff set after episode nine as well as episode nine just being a great like oh i want to see ray use that lightsaber i want to see finn explore his connection to the force i want to see you know poe has accepted he's a leader but what does he do with that leadership does he actually enjoy it even though he's good at it so many great questions lando and Jana, and on on and on and on um but so, yes, I'm it's it's some of the most excited I've been for Star Wars stories in a long time wanting those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the question is, it's not going to happen in visual media soon, I think, because of the actors, as you said. Um, and the book choice is. Are you comfortable with an EU situation? Are you comfortable with, you know what? Screw it. We're just in in publishing we're going to start a whole series of the new New Republic, you know, or whatever it is, uh, the the latest Jedi Order. And we're going to follow. And you just have to accept in 5, 10, 15 years, we might wipe it. And that's, yeah. a re- that's a really interesting and challenging question of what we would want as fans. Like, if that was a, this is one of the things that could happen, are you okay if it gets wiped out uh, question, is, is it worth hearing those stories? And then my, my last thing, which connects to that, is just having been through this a couple times, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, Star Wars has ended a couple times in our in our lifetime. Mm. I think just just patience, right? Because I I truly believe maybe five years, maybe seven, maybe ten, maybe fifteen, particularly when people who grew up with the sequel trilogy and they have no baggage with it, they just have love. It's their Star Wars. And those people are starting to have kids and more income. And the all these actors have explored other things. And then it's interesting to them to come back to, well, what is Ray like twenty years after she's been a Jedi for twenty years and she's trained other people then those stories become interesting to the actors i think they become fascinating to the writers and they become i think a different business proposition because you're dealing with the generation that loved those stories i really do think that we're going to see something again someday with these characters even if it's just it's just finn it's just poe it's just ray i think we're going to see something again but in order to get to those adventures uh we must have time and patience yeah absolutely and i i know mark uh became a star wars fan around the time of, of force awakens so uh mark take it from us 
old broken Star Wars souls. <laughs> you just have to wait. Eventually it all comes back. Never in a million years did I think I would get to see yeah, Mark right. Hamill pull that hood down again, you know? And, Not and a sliver of chance, right, Joseph? Not even, never, never thought that this would happen. No, it just, it wouldn't. That that part of Star Wars was, all of Star Wars was gone, but that part, no. No, the prequels, no. Yes, sure, cool, he did a voice. Yeah, great for something, you know, and Clone Wars, great. But yeah, yeah, it, it, patience uh, rewarded us, right? It did. It did. Those are our questions for the day from Mark, from Will, from Gary, and Gary's father, and Glenn. Thank you all. Great questions, as always. Man, really good stuff today. Thanks for bringing it, fans. You always do, and we enjoy connecting with you. If you want to reach out, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center and the hashtag Release the Leap and Lift Footage. Uh, like <laughs> our Facebook page, like us on Instagram, find us on YouTube. Uh, we got a new show and tell on the way. In memoriam, season two wrapping up. A lot of fun things going on over there. You can find the podcast on our home, Anchor, but also on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Just search. If it's not there, let us know. We'll try to add it. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center, and you can support us at patreon.com slash force center. We're always uh, excited to have new patrons. We're making plans and always new stuff coming soon. In fact, there might be a little uh, little special show we're dropping this week. We'll try a little, little experiment. Don't want to say too much in case I decide that I hate everything about myself in the show. But look for that, too, <laughs> in addition to the Clone Wars report. we got our own stuff going on as well. You can go to KenAppsock.com for information on all the things I do, including my baseball podcast, Box Score Heroes, Major League Baseball returns one way or another. It returns this week with official games. So we'll be talking about that there. And uh, Joseph, where can they follow you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, as I'm recording this, uh, I had a, a what I meant to be a fun tweet about the movie Tenant, and many people taking me very, very seriously. So if you you want to see me <laughs> have a joke being uh, uh, not not taken in the in the spirit it was intended, come join me on Twitter. <laughs> at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can find all my other comedy adventures on my website at uh, josephscrimshaw.com. We've been doing uh, plugs for uh, uh, real world stuff. We want to do what we can to get the message out about making the world a better place. Uh, and this was something that uh, I came across on social media, a charity that uh, Grant Imahara, our, our friend who is sadly moved on to the next adventures in life, uh, has uh, contributed to in the past. And it is a site for uh, getting help to kids in need, and it is called DonorsChoose.org. So give that a look and see if that is something that you would like to contribute to DonorsChoose.org. Absolutely. Support a classroom. Build a future is their mandate. Check it out. Well, well said, Joseph, on that there. We are out of here. Star Wars news and cues is wrapped up. But later this week, we will be looking at Shadowfall, the second novel in the Alphabet Squadron series. And as we said at the top of the show, the Clone Wars report returns. Get ready to rewatch the Clone Wars in chronological order with the Force Center team. Look for that soon. That is it for now. For Alden Ehrenreich, we'll all see you soon, right? This was Force Center.
Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 